Well, good morning. Uh, it is a joy to be back with you. Uh, it always is. Uh, it's been uh, several years. I've been making the trip uh, this direction. Over the years, uh, I have dealt with a lot of broken relationships. Uh, whether it's youth, uh, youth who aren't speaking to each other and can be pretty cruel to one another, uh, or singles who end up fighting, and these are all professing Christians, fighting or not speaking with each other in the churches. And then there are marriages, a lot of marriage counseling, where professing Christians, husbands and wives, are in disunity. They disagree and it gets to the place where they fight or don't talk and can end up even divorcing, but all naming Christ at the same time. And then there's families where parents with children and children who are at odds with their parents in a disunity kind of way. And then there are staff members in churches. And then there are churches, evangelical conservative churches, who won't speak to each other. And after all we've just sung about and the passage that Pastor Shane read from Romans, the gospel should unify us. And so that's what I would like to bring today is dealing with the topic of disunity. And if you'll turn to the book of Philippians, because God addresses this of disunity in the body of Christ. It's interesting, I hear things when I talk to Christians who are not talking to each other, uh, will not talk to each other, or are fighting, and I'm talking extended amount of time. Uh, Within churches, I hear people say, well, we're just moving on from each other, away from each other, or we just agree to disagree, but we're not going to talk with each other, or fellowship at all, and we're not going to treat each other like brothers or sisters in Christ And they begin to treat each other like enemies, but all the while professing faith in Christ. Well, Paul is dealing with a situation like that in this letter uh, to Philippians. And I think it's on his mind from the get-go when he started writing this. Uh, The church at Philippi was a Roman colony in Macedonia. Uh, They had external peace that was uh, from Rome. But there was not some internal peace going on in this church. As you can remember in Acts 16 is where Paul founded this church where he met Lydia along with other women who met for prayer, which these two ladies that are going to be mentioned may have been a part of that prayer group. While Paul was there, he encountered a demon-possessed girl And also the jailer uh, and his household who he presented Christ to. And then he visited again on the third missionary journey. So why did he write this letter? Well, three different reasons. It was a thank you letter for a sacrificial gift that they gave to him. He mentions that in chapter 4. Secondly, it was to inform them of a few things. Uh, that he was going to send Timothy, who would genuinely care for them, as he cared for them. He was going to, of his present state, was another thing he wanted them to know and to help them inform them of. 
that he was in prison, but he was preaching for Christ. And then Epaphrodite's condition that he was sick unto death, but now he's well and he's delivering the letter back to them. And thirdly, it was to help them deal with general anxieties of living in a perverse, wicked generation, a pagan world, which is very appropriate for us today, of how to deal with general anxieties and fears of living in such a pagan world. But it was also to deal with pride and disunity. One of the purposes of this letter was to deal with this situation between two professing believers who were not getting along. The theme is joy. That's all the way through this letter. It's mentioned 16 times in four chapters. But it's not just an empty joy. It's a joy in Christ and in fellowship with one another. And he looks at this church, and this is his joy and crown. This is a church that he just loved to talk about, uh, pray for, visit, There are other churches that kept him on his knees, like the church at Corinth. But this one was his joy and crown. And before we get to chapter 4 in the text today, I want you to just to follow along in Philippians chapter 1 because he's going to start with the Spirit of God using his pen as he's writing, uh, help us with a mindset of this oneness and this harmony that the Spirit of God wants to communicate. So chapter 1, and I'm going to begin at verse 27. It says, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come to see you or am absent, I may hear of that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy... Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God and did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, if you'll go to the passage we're going to be looking at is chapter 4. So that, as Paul is writing and the Spirit of God is communicating, it's his word through the pen of Paul, he comes to chapter 4. 
Verse 1, Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm, thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Yodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. So two members of this particular church at Philippi, they were believers. It says that in verse 3. They were not getting along. They were in disunity in the one body of Christ. And so this morning I would like us to see four essential truths that are needed to help disunified believers to become unified for the glory of God. Four essential truths that are needed to help disunified believers to become unified for the glory of God. And again, this will go from youth who profess faith in Christ, singles, married, families, staff people on churches, churches that hold to the gospel faith that are in possible disunity. So truth number one, and again, this is constant fighting or complete silence from each other, but still in the same local assembly. Truth number one is allowing disunified Christians to remain that way in the body of Christ is unacceptable. All right. Allowing disunified Christians to remain that way in the body of Christ is unacceptable. God the Spirit would not allow Yodi and Syntyche to remain that way. They were eventually going to come home to be with the Lord, but until then, they needed help to once again agree and have the same mind as is mentioned in chapter 2 of Philippians. Obviously, it's impossible to agree with one another on everything. But however, it is possible to be unified in the Lord even when you disagree on certain issues. Especially when pertaining to the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not okay for Christians who love Jesus to continue being in disunity with one another. You can disagree on some things, but not in disunity. Now, there's a few reasons why that it's unacceptable. It's unacceptable because it's a contradiction. A disunified Christian isn't like an oxymoron. It doesn't make sense. It's like a wicked saint. Christians are to be in the one, with one mind, in the one body, with one head, Jesus Christ. It's also unacceptable because the gospel itself unifies us. If I have two parts of my body that are in dissonance and not in harmony, I'm probably at the hospital or at the doctor's office. My body's not working right, and it needs to be taken care of, if it can be. It's also unacceptable because the gospel, again, it it unifies. We're one body with one head, and each member should be caring for one another. Our brothers and sisters are not enemies. They're family. 
Our brothers and sisters in Christ are not our enemies. They are our family. Also, it's unacceptable because God strives for us. I mean, he strives within us to go after harmony and unity. Again, according to God's truth. It's his word that unifies us. So we're not ignoring his word. That's the kind of the basis of our unity in Christ. But listen to some of these passages. You sh- the references are up there on the, the screen. Romans 12, and this is the Spirit of God speaking to the church. Romans 12, 16 through 18. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, as much as depends on you, Live peaceably with all. You'll see harmony, and what's the enemy of harmony is usually our pride. It's right there in that passage about being haughty, and that's what the Lord addresses in Philippians 2, before chapter 4. And now Romans 15, 5 through 7. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may be of one voice, glorifying the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 1, 10 through 13. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by closed people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. And what I mean is that each one of you says, well, I follow Paul, and I follow Paulus, and I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? 2 Corinthians thirteen eleven. Finally, brothers, rejoice. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your, your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. And then First Peter 3, 8 through 12. Finally, all of you, Have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life or see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace 
and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and the ears are open to their prayer, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. I just wanted you to hear the Spirit of God talking about oneness, oneness, agree, and then pride, which usually eclipses God's glory and brings disunity in our lives. So truth number one is God would not allow this. This is unacceptable to have Christians who are in disunity in a local assembly to remain that way. Truth number two, disunified Christians must work at being humbly agreeable in the Lord Jesus. Disunified Christians must work at being humbly agreeable in the Lord Jesus. Can you imagine this letter being read for the first time in the church at Philippi? Can you imagine Yodia sitting on one side, maybe Syntyche on the other side? And this is from their beloved brother Paul. And the person gets up to read the letter from Paul. And he's reading through about the Lord and uh, stand firm and all these wonderful things. And then he, the, the speaker, the pastor, starts in with chapter 4. And I entreat Yodia and I entreat Syntyche by name in Scripture for eternity. <laughs> Sometimes I'm glad we did. I'm not living in the first century church uh, where my name might appear sometimes. The pastors have given me a few of your names to read publicly. (laughs) Not really. But now that everyone is awake. These two women were special to Paul. He loved them dearly. They served with him in the gospel ministry. We know nothing about them other than this issue right here. And we know nothing about Clement, nothing in Scripture about these individuals. These two women may have been part of the women that were there at the prayer meeting with Lydia. We don't know. But so much was accomplished by women in the church ministry there in Macedonia in Acts chapter 16 and 17 and how God was using uh, spirit-filled women who loved Christ, loved people, loved one another. The scripture tells us they were believers. And what the issue is, we don't know. It's sort of like Paul's thorn in the flesh. We don't know what that is either. There are 16 different speculations on Paul's thorn in the flesh. We don't know what it was. And we don't know what this issue was between them. But they were believers. It says they were not. Uh, they wanted them to agree in the Lord so they were not of one mind. It's the same word used in Philippians 2.2 of having the one mind. And you heard it several times in the passages that I read about agreeing. Be of the same mind. Peter O'Brien in his commentary writes with Yodi and Syntyche. He says it's an appeal to Yodia and Syntyche to be at one in their mental attitude And so in the basic aim, direction, and orientation of their behavior, that they ought to be in one mind and in one step. They weren't thinking about the gospel ministry 
They were involved in seeking their own interests, not the interest of the other or of Christ. It was their own agenda. And that's why it's addressed in Philippians chapter 2 about have this kind of mind, humble, not about yourself. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. Seek the other person's interest. It's all setting up to help them to live with that agreeable, the same mind in Christ. The tense used here signifies this disunity wasn't, oh, they just had an issue the other day. This was ongoing disunity. And that's why it had to be addressed. They weren't working it out. I don't know if they were giving the silent treatment to one another or they were fighting back and forth. The scripture doesn't tell us. But it was ongoing. They weren't promoting Christ and the gospel. And so again, to be same mind, it was affecting their walk with Christ. It was affecting the church there in Philippi and even eclipsing the glory of God in that church to the community which Philippians 2 tells us that we are a a beacon, a a light in a very dark world. And so Paul is pleading with them, uh, each of them. He doesn't say, I entreat Yodia and Syntyche. He says, I entreat Yodia and I entreat Syntyche. Each one is personally responsible, and the Apostle Paul is not taking sides. Each one must work at agreeing here. Now we need to be aware of various types of issues and their proper responses that find themselves, often find themselves, behind the disunity. And I'm going to mention seven of them. These are when we start working with believers and they have a state of disunity. It can be one of these seven, it could be a combination of these seven, but each of these that are mentioned in Scripture have a different biblical response. So it's it's helpful to go, what's going on? Let's take a look. What are the issues and the proper responses? And I want to start with the doctrinal issues. And I'm going to refer there, you have a slide uh, this is from Dr. Al Moeller, put this together several years ago. Uh, it happened when he went to an emergency room, <laughs> and uh, they did triage on him. Uh, he's had a few uh, severe health episodes, and I don't know if he knew this or he looked it up, but triage is a French word that means to sort through. What's, what's more serious, what's not so serious, and so you're sorting through uh, and degree level, levels of degree of weightiness of the health issues. And so he came up and, uh, and wrote, uh, put together this chart uh, called the Theological Triage. And he starts with tier number one at the very top. Some of you may be able to see that. It's like an eye exam. <laughs> but tier number one is the gospel truths. You deny tier one, you deny Christianity. And this is the the basis of our unity here about God's full deity and the actual deity and humanity of Christ. The, The Trinity, justification by faith alone, in Christ alone, 
right? All of the solas, authority of the scriptures. That's tier one. Deny those, you deny Christianity. And there's proper responses to people who say they're Christians and deny those. Uh, You put them out of a church. Uh, They're an unbeliever. They don't believe the gospel. If you find a Christian who's erring in those, you help correct them. But they need to be unified. This is the basis, tier number one at the top. Tier number two, which is one level there in the middle, uh, these are issues like ecclesiology, uh, mode of baptism, uh, Lord's Supper, some of the, the meaning of the Lord's Supper as far as the, uh, the Lord's presence, gender roles in the church. These are things that he listed as level two kind of issues. Now, here's the issue. We all ought to be in unity in Christ, but we may not be able to fellowship in the same church or denomination. If different ecclesiologies, maybe different modes of baptism, this would be the difference between maybe conservative, gospel-oriented Presbyterians and gospel-centered conservative Baptists or something. It, it, the worship together, uh, as you are more centered on truth and agreeing with every point of truth, the closer the fellowship. But we're still in unity. Uh, I'm on one of the organizations I'm a part of. We have various denominations there, but they all believe the gospel truths. They've trusted in Christ, and it's by faith alone in Christ alone. But they, we differ on some different aspects of maybe where the church is and the, whether the Old Testament or started at uh, Pentecost. Uh, just differences, but we love each other. We're, we're in unity but we don't fellowship maybe in the same church, but we're all worshiping the same Christ. And heaven will all be one. And then the third tier at the bottom, you get in other uh, issues of maybe eschatology, maybe just your views of the end time. You may differ on those of when Christ is coming, is it pre-trib, post-trib, ah-mill, pre-mill, post-mill, gospel freedom issues, Understanding of maybe some difficult texts. Maybe you, uh, as you've studied, you, you take a particular text to mean this, and someone else may go, well, I think it means this. We still keep in unity. We love each other, but we may disagree on these levels. And the third tier uh, may be in the same church. You can still worship there in the same church, maybe and have some different views on the third tier level. This doesn't lessen studying God's word, working hard at studying. God doesn't, the spirit didn't give us multiple meanings. Truth is singular, not plural. And so we keep studying it. And I'm so thankful for your leadership that does such an excellent job of studying the scripture, what it says and what it means. So three different tiers and even on that uh, third level, at the, the bottom there, where you can keep in unity but disagree. Uh, I sat, I mean, I was an elder at Grace Community Church, sat on there for years on elder board, about 34, 36 elders, and some things would come up, and there'd be some elders that would disagree, but uh, we still had unity. We still went forward with decisions. 
I remember when I was looking at divorce remarriage, there were a few uh, elders on that board who didn't agree with uh, what John MacArthur was teaching and what we all kind of held was the two exception view. They disagreed, but they loved us. We loved them. And they just, uh, we will, we'll go right along with the, the view here. We're not going to bring any disunity to the body of Christ. So it was not unanimity, but there was unity. And we served alongside each other. I, read this yesterday in the counseling training, I came across, uh, speaking of divorce and remarriage, this is Andrew Nacelli, Dr. Nacelli, who teaches at Bethlehem Seminary and is an elder at Bethlehem Baptist where Dr. Piper is. Well, Dr. Nacelli takes a different view of divorce and remarriage than Dr. Piper. And Dr. Piper has made it known what his view is. And Dr. Nacelli has critiqued the view. And went through a whole document on why it doesn't line up with Scripture. And then he gave it to Dr. Piper, and he said, I, I love him dearly. And Dr. Piper reads it over, he gives feedback, and he sent it back to Dr. Nacelli. Now, these two men love each other, serve in the same church. And this is what Dr. Piper wrote on Dr. Nacelli's article, critiquing his view and dismantling it, basically. Dr. Piper writes, the things we love and live for and would die for are so great, this could not overthrow all those riches. He's saying, we we still disagree, but our love in Christ, that unity keeps us bound together and nothing will overthrow that. That's what we need and more of. Now, the pastors did not say, we got got problems going on here. This is just, it happens. Uh, disunity is what our sinful flesh longs for by nature. Uh, we're that way. So this is a work of God, and it's to, that we really see the importance of it and work hard. So that's the second truth, is that we really work hard at keeping agreeing and keeping this unity. So that's doctrinal differences. That's number one. I'm just going to rapid fire give you the other six issues that are often behind disunity. Differences. Just differences. Difference in background. Difference in upbringing. Difference in education. Just differences. Amazing how those, if you don't bear up with one another, and that's the cure, that's the proper response with differences. You bear up with one another in your differences. Don't let them part you into disunity. Differences. Colossians 3, verse 13. We bear up with one another. The, uh, the third, preferences. Uh, we prefer certain colors, uh, we prefer certain music styles, we pr- prefer certain types of chairs that maybe are a little more comfortable, or we, we prefer, we prefer, don't have many preferences and keep your preferences to yourself. <laughs> Most church splits are over preference issues. And that's just our pride. 
In Philippians 2, the Spirit says this is what you do with preferences. Prefer the other. Don't seek your things for yourself. Love Christ, love others. So in Philippians 2, just two chapters prior, was the solution. Humbly prefer. Don't make it an issue for disunity. The next one is offenses. These are clear sin issues. Offenses. It's where you violate Scripture clearly. It's where you lie to one another. You slandered one another. And in Matthew 18 and Luke 17, it says, this is how you love your brother who has sinned against you. You go to them in private. Out of love. It's brought some uh, sort of an unreconciled relationship, that sin. Let's bring it back together. Let's restore a brother or sister in Christ. And if, if you can't do that, bring someone else, right? One or two come with you to deal with it. You see that whole thing, work at this at restoration and harmony. And if someone won't change, won't repent, they are put out of the church and you treat them like an unbeliever. They're not living like a believer. And you keep praying for their soul. Then the fifth is wisdom issues. Uh, This is not a sin issue. It's just a wisdom issue. Uh, We're to be teachable and eager to gain knowledge and learn the facts. There's a whole book of Proverbs talking about how to grow in wisdom, listen to others, learn from others. Don't be proud and unteachable, but be humble and teachable and learn. Wisdom issues might be with a church, uh, do we go one service or two services? And I don't mean on Easter. I just mean if, if things are going, do we go one service, two services? Just wisdom. It's not a right or wrong. It's not a sin issue. But we keep in unity. We agree. Or you're purchasing a piece of equipment, and you say, well, that one costs a little more, but the quality of this one over that one, it might, it, that's wisdom. And so you research it, and you try to make the wisest decision. Then you have conscience issues, number six. Conscience issues, where one Christian says, I think it's wrong to do this, and the other Christian says, I think it's right to do it. So what do you do with that? Well, you love each other, you keep in unity with each other, in Romans 14, and then you study Scripture together to find out what does the Word of God say about this. but we humbly love and we grow. We study the scripture. And the stronger, the, the one who may, if you go, I think the scripture says this and I, I'll give up my liberty if it means, I'm not going to cause anyone else to stumble in their faith. It's really, how can we work at magnifying and exalting the Lord and not eclipsing his glory? The last uh, possible issue is communication challenges. Just communication challenges. For a lot of people, uh, English is not their first language. Uh, Mine is my first, I mean, it is my first language, and I still have to work at communication. But for some, they may choose the wrong word. Uh, Even in in English, they may choose the wrong word. They may not say enough words. They may not be interpreted right. We may have different definitions for words. It's just challenges in communication. 
My wife and I are still working at that. We were talking about that last week. Some things that we were both doing, and I, th- that would really help, and that would help. This is after 40 years of marriage. We're still working at it because it can develop into a disagreement, and it can get a little tense, and we go, whoa, what just happened there? Listening well to someone else. So in all of these uh, six areas, seven areas, are possible issues behind disunity. And sometimes it's one of the issues. Sometimes it's more than one. And it, it involves gathering information it, from both people if it involves two people. So you'd have to go get information from Yodia. And then you have to go get information from Syntyche. Right? Both. This is uh, Proverbs chapter uh, 18, verses 13 and 17. You have to get information. You don't want to answer anything before you've gotten the information. And when they give you the information, then you start looking at all these different issues. And you go, well, what is it? And what's the proper response to them? But we've got to help these women to become agreeable, one mind in the Lord. And there are also two types of attitude. Either supporting this disunity or solving the disunity. And you can guess real fast what those two types of attitude are. The Lord addresses it, the Spirit of God, in Philippians 2. Humility is the right attitude. Right? Humility is the right attitude. Humble yourself. Be submissive to leadership over you. Realize that I've got to love my brother and my sister in Christ and love the Lord Jesus as much as possible. I'm going to work at being at peace and living at peace with my brother or sister. The wrong kind of attitude is pride. And it is mentioned several times in the passages I read earlier in this message. Don't be haughty. Right? Don't have empty conceit. You get in the area of wrong kinds of attitudes, you'll think everything is a right or wrong issue. When it's not always a right or wrong, it may be a wisdom issue, it may be a difference, it may be communication challenges. Or a person may be more loyal to another person or people group or an organization than they are to the Lord. And they don't care what the facts are, they're going to be more loyal to an individual or to an organization than they are to Christ. And that's pride. It's in the Lord. Agree in the Lord. It doesn't say agree according to Iodia or agree according to Syntyche. It's not their mindset we're after. It's Christ's mindset. Or people will talk about the other, but they won't talk to them. Amazing how talking with someone, you can resolve issues much of the time. And sometimes, I have found just recently, is the use of believers using more and more going legal documents of non-disclosure. I say, well, we can't talk about things now. We're in disunity, but we can't talk about them because we've signed these non-disclosure agreements. Well, that really hinders uh, working at being agreeable in the Lord. And many are just not even interested in finding out what facts are. They just like staying in that state of disunity. But the standard, it says here in Philippians 4, is it's in the Lord. 
Agree in the Lord. Don't take sides with people, but agree in the Lord. It's the Lord's might. Sort of like Joshua in Joshua 5. When he saw a man with a drawn sword in front of him, Joshua chapter 5, verses 13 through 15. Joshua says, are you for us or are you for our adversaries? And the man with a drawn sword, which more likely was a pre-incarnate epiphany of of Christ, said, no. (laughs) Well, no, I mean, are you for me or are you for them? No. I am the commander of the army of the Lord. That's kind of what we ought to be thinking when we're dealing with people in disunity. It's not taking, are you for Yodia or for Sin? No, we're for the Lord. It's in the Lord. So truth number three. Disunified Christians are often incapable themselves of resolving this dispute without the assistance of other spiritually minded believers or members in the body of Christ. Disunified Christians are often incapable of resolving the dispute alone, the two of them, without the assistance of other spiritually minded members in the body of Christ. It's not always, but it can be often. What it involves is a spiritually minded believer or believers to come alongside and help those who are in a state of disunity. It says here in verse 2, I'm sorry, verse 3, yes, I ask you also true companions. So there is uh, the Spirit of God through Paul saying these two ladies are not working it out. They need some outside help, outside assistance. Who is this true companion? We don't know. Uh, Clement of Alexandria, an early on his early commentary, uh, thought it was Paul's wife who was the companion. But that's kind of weird. And it's a masculine pronoun used here, so that we can just shelve that view. Erasmus thought it was another woman in the church. Some people think that it's not true companion, uh, another person, but it was a name. That Greek word was a guy's or person's name. But that name doesn't show up in any other literature. Others think it was Epaphroditus when he went back that he would be helping these two women work things out. Some people think it was Timothy who he was sending to them to help them. The fact is, we don't know who this true companion was, but the church knew. And the true companion knew. And Paul is calling on this person help these women to agree in the Lord. Do you know outside involvement into two other believers that are not getting along, whether they're youth, singles, married, families, churches, is costly, right? To come in and help, it's costly. You may lose a dear friend. You may say, this is what the scripture says, and someone says, I'm out of here, I'm, forget it. They may not talk to you for a while. It won't just be one with another, it may be with the other and you. It's costly. I mean, you may lose a dear friend, you may lose close family members in the process of this. 
and you more than likely will be falsely accused of wrong motives, that you're against them when you're really for them, trying to help them. This outside involvement will require prayer. And so Paul prays in Philippians 1. He's praying for them that they'll increase in the real knowledge of the Lord and, and keep working together. He's praying for them often. It will require effort. Help is needed. You can't wait to be asked to help two people who are in disunity. And remaining that way, you have to take the initiative. And again, you're gathering information from both parties, and it will require time involvement. It's a lot of time. I was working with two different believers who weren't getting along, and it almost took me a year, not steady every day, but almost a year working through what's one saying, what's not saying, going back and forth and trying to help two believers who active in gospel ministry who were not talking to each other and in a state of disunity. It's time involvement. But it can be so rewarding to see them humble themselves and acknowledge their wrongdoing, their sin, and confess it to God, confess to each other, and then communicate what they needed to communicate and listen to one another. And now they're back together in gospel ministry in a unified way. It can be very rewarding. But mostly it glorifies the Lord. Mostly it glorifies the Lord. And outside help isn't strange to the scripture. We're told when someone's overtaken in a sin... You all who are spiritual, come around him or her and help them, restore them. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. If people are having a dispute and it gets into a legal issue, don't go to the outside courts, come around them and help them. And 1 Corinthians chapter 6. So it's not strange to the scripture, it's not unusual for outside help. And truth number four, unified Christians are what promote a glorious testimony of harmony in the body of Christ. It's what promotes this, it's the same mind, the same one body in harmony. It promotes a glorious testimony, not just to the local assembly, but to the watching world in the context of Philippians 1 and 2. The Lord says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. In closing, I'm just encouraged. There are divine resources to help any two believers who are in disunity. God has given us himself. I mean, all three members of the Trinity He's given us his holy word. He's given us the people of God, the body of Christ, all to help. So no two believers who love Christ should be in disunity. It's unacceptable. They need to agree in the Lord. It'll take work. And it'll be a wonderful testimony to the church and to a watching community. If you're here this morning and you're saying, well, I'm, I, I don't, I'm not even a Christian. Well, you have a disunity not just with another person, but with God himself. 
an unreconciled state. And praise God, uh, and we heard this morning, the scriptures read and, and we sang together the different hymns, you can be right with God today. God has provided everything needed. You just bring your sin to the table. He brings everything else. He brings forgiveness of sins, the sacrifice that was acceptable to him through Christ, his death, burial, resurrection. You repent of your sins, you turn to Christ, and you can be reconciled with God today in unity with God and with one another. Please talk with someone uh, today or this week uh, from the, the church here. Call them, talk with them. Don't keep living a life of disunity Every one of us at one time, Titus says, and Titus 3, 1, the Lord says, we all ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others, and hating one another. That's the state of the unsaved. But there's hope and help even today for you and your soul. Number two, those who are at peace with God but may be in disunity with each other, there is help and hope for you today as well. In Romans twelve eighteen, as much as depends on you, you live at peace with all men. Uh, first look at your own issues. What is it about me if I'm in disunity with another person? Take the log out of your own eye first. Ask for help. There's other believers around who are willing to help you. To work through these issues, again, it's not about yourselves. It's about God's glory. It's about the unity of the church and the body of Christ. Ask for help. And explore what type of issue is it between us or issues. And what's the proper biblical response? And lastly, those who are at peace and unity with the Lord and with each other. You can't think of anybody, other believer that you're in disunity with. Well, praise God for that. That is God's grace in your life. But excel still more. Keep working at that. There'll be enough disagreements the rest of our life with people. And you just have to keep working at those. To work at always having the same mind. Being agreeable in the things of the gospel. And then be ready to assist other believers to help them who may be in disunity to be agree in Christ. Let's bow in prayer. Father, thank you for this time together. I don't know the state of everyone who's here, but I think the last three statements there address everyone, those outside of Christ, those who are in Christ but in disunity, those who are in Christ but they're in unity. Lord, as much as possible, as depends on us, may we live at peace with one another. May we pursue it out of love and, and humility. Looking at Christ, the perfect example of humility. He was humility incarnate. Didn't hold regard to things that he had experienced as far as his glory. But he humbled himself, took on the form of a slave willingly gave up his life sacrificially that we might be saved. May we work hard 
at keeping and maintaining the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace by your Spirit's help and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.